Hey everyone. If you didn't know, A Child Walks in the Dark is also a collection of poetry, and it is out and about and available from Harbor Editions as of now. So if you're liking the podcast, these fantastic conversations I've gotten to have with these folks, and you like the poems that end each episode, consider picking up a copy of the book. We can, all of us, I think, uh, use as much poetry in our lives as possible. Thank you. Welcome to A Child Walks in the Dark, a podcast hosted by award-winning poet and author Darren C. Demery. Each week, Darren and a series of other parents and creative careers join up to discuss a different theme or challenge to raising children. Their joy, their narrative and languages, their lineage and authorship, their small towns and cities and hopes, their community and efforts to save and be saved. Each episode explores the role of a creative person as a parent as they attempt to navigate the world their young people are growing into. This week's episode is The Roots Have Risen Up Away from the Trunk, and our guest is Maureen Langloss. Maureen Langloss is a lawyer turned writer and a mother of three living in New York City. She serves as the editor of online issues at Split Lip Magazine. Her writing has been published or is forthcoming in Alaska Quarterly Review, Cut Bank, Gulf Coast, The Journal, Kenyon Review, Plowshares, Wigleaf, and elsewhere. She is the recipient of Copper Nickel Editor's Prize in Prose. Her work was selected for the 2019 Best Small Fictions Anthology and has been nominated for a Push Sharp Prize and Best of the Net. Now, Darren and Maureen Langloss. And as promised today, uh, fictioneer, essayist, uh, split lip editor Maureen Langloss uh, and, and and parent as well, which is what what brings you uh, here today. Uh, and the and the topic, the theme is the roots have risen up away from the trunk. As in, we've got kids and they're developing and they're going to grow up regardless. Um, and we get to be part of that process. Uh, I think yours are a little bit older than mine, but how's that experience been? in terms of them finding their own way with you or without you? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. This is such a great topic for the life moment I'm having right now because I have three children and my eldest just turned 18, like just last month, a few days ago, really. And so I'm at this moment of him really becoming um, his own person, right? 18, he's grown up, we're, like we've done our work. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so it's a great time to be thinking about how children become independent and and um, kind of go on their own way. So my other kids are 10, uh, 11, excuse me, 11 and 14. Um, and I guess 
thinking about um, this topic, I realized how little control parents have at all. It's really been more <laughs> watching my kids do what they want to do. Um, I think that the beauty of having three children or the luck of it is you kind of realize how little you're actually responsible for because each of my three kids is so totally different in every possible way. And They've been raised by the same parents in the same house, gone to similar schools. They, uh, you know, birth order, I guess, is different, but yet they're so different. Like even the way they came out in the, on their first day, they were different. So I think that I, I, it's almost a relief as a parent to see how different your kids naturally are because you realize you aren't responsible for everything. <laughs> like they are going to, they're going to follow their own path. Um, and you don't have a whole lot to do with it. Well, it's it's comforting and it's a little bit freeing that they're gonna, you know, they're gonna grow up and they're gonna find uh, their passions and they're gonna look outward in the world differently than you do. Uh, and you know, so much talk about how hard parenting is, and and that's true, but it's exciting. It's exciting to see them find themselves in moments of growth. And in moments of experiencing new things, and it all comes about at a, at a different pace. Um, I've got my oldest is 12 and she behaves like she is 40 years old. She is the most responsible person in the house. Um, <laughs> and then, you know, the nine year old is literally trying to run through walls still. Um, and the three year old legitimately believes herself to be royalty. And that's that's OK. Um, but <laughs> she is. yes, she is absolutely. Um, but they find themselves in these positions and you, you try to, to keep them safe and try to teach them and have conversations about, um, you know, how, how these things are going to develop and how their passions might present themselves and how to prepare them. Uh, and it's, it's on a day-to-day -day basis. It feels like asking the question, do you do your homework? Did you brush your teeth? those small things feel like parenting. But I think there's some some bigger, more joyful things that happen. What how have you experienced that sort of like that, that a child becoming an adult? How what's that been like? Uh, well, you know, I expected to feel to arrive at that moment and feel super nostalgic or like missing the little baby days, which are so fun and special or when he was small. Um, but in fact, I just felt like we were both really ready for this moment, if that makes sense, which made it feel very joyful that like he's ready to be an adult and I'm ready for him to be an adult because, um, you know, I guess also I feel like the journey of parenting has so many ups and downs and your child has so many ups and downs and to arrive to 18 feels like this huge accomplishment, especially after uh, living through COVID, right? This last two and a half years. Um, so I felt very celebratory instead. I mean, there were some like teary moments, I guess, on the actual birthday, but overall, I feel like we're both ready. Now, I don't know if he feels he's ready. <laughs> I think he's definitely feeling um, the oddness of the mo of that moment of realizing that you're leaving your childhood behind a little bit. Not that you have to. I mean, obviously, we all have children inside of us. But um, but for me, it's been really exciting to see who he is. And also um, all of my children, like, and I'm sure this is happening to you, the older they get, the more you see them as who they are 
like they've developed their interests, you see their talents, you see um, what they care about. And it's really gratifying as a parent to see your child become this really interesting person with all of these interests and things. I'm always shocked when my kids know all this stuff about stuff that I don't know. Like, I don't even know where they learned it, obviously in school or maybe YouTube or I don't know. But it's really gratifying to be like, wow, they are their own fully formed person with their own ideas. And um, so I'm mostly feeling uh, a kind of weird exhilaration about the moment. Um, and also like relaxing some of the, like, I don't feel as as responsible, um, like for every little thing, um, the way that I think you do when your kids are small, you feel like you have to protect them from all these things. And, right. and now right. like you, you really shouldn't be doing that. Like, I mean, to a certain extent, you should be protecting your, even your grown up children, but you, you, it's a different level of responsibility. It is. And it's, it's different, not just the independence and responsibility that comes with it, but even, even, uh, Isabel, even our 12 year old, has real moments of confidence, real moments of control and steadiness. And that those are the moments with her that sort of take take me back. And I'm sort of like, oh, okay, all right. Uh, and right. some of it is uh, she's this strong little gymnast who likes to like swing her elbows when she walks and will <laughs> correct uh, adults if they're not being as eco-conscious as she wants them to be. And will sort of, there's a little bit of an attitude. It's she's the oldest. And as an oldest child myself, I, I recognize the little extra attitude that maybe comes with it. Um, but those are the moments that have taken me back and sort of seen real confidence and real assuredness in their place in the world. Um, and I don't, I don't remember, uh, as I'm thinking back to myself growing up, I don't remember being confident. I don't think I'm confident about things now, but right. It's, it's interesting to see children find themselves in that place. Right. I but, mean, I think that's what we're trying to do as parents is give mm -hmm. them as much confidence as we can because we remember our own selves not being confident, <laughs> right? And, yeah, and do you think there's a difference between giving them independence and giving them confidence? How, how do you think that that needle gets thread? Right, I mean, they're probably super related because the more independence you give them, you're saying you trust them more. Um, right. So if I'm giving you independence to do this, that, or the other thing without my input or help, then that means I really think that you are able. Um, and so it's a way of giving them confidence, but, um, but it's tricky because you might give your children a lot of freedom and then, um, sometimes that's dangerous. Like you can't be... <laughs> completely letting them off on their own. I mean, right. you grew, so you're in Ohio. I grew up in Ohio for a brief period of time. I was there for two years and um, I lived in the suburbs growing up. And so we were always allowed to like go to our friends' houses without parents and ride our bikes all over the place. Um, and that was really a freeing independent thing that I think gave me a lot of confidence because I felt like I could go where I wanted just physically in space, even from the age of five or, you know, um, and um, my kids can't do that because we live in New York City. So like everything is hyper arranged. You have to like take them by the hand when they're little. Every, you're constantly afraid they're going to run into traffic. And um, 
you know, bad things do happen. So you can't just let them roam. Um, so I feel like it's a, it's a push pull of what's right. I mean, that said, even in Ohio, you know, when I was five, I was hit by a car. So it's actually like way too young to be negotiating the streets of Ohio <laughs> by sure. myself. Um, so in retrospect, my parents probably shouldn't have been letting me roam as much. Um, so I think there's one like giving your child a certain amount of freedom that helps them become more confident and um, more independent. But it's also just praising everything that they do, right? I mean, I'm sure you're doing that too, like trying not to critique it um, and and just letting it letting your joy in whatever their work product is like show yeah. to the extreme, whether it's Play-Doh or the paper they just wrote in their high school English class. So yeah, the buzzer goes off in unsafe moments. But other than that, you're you're trying to be encouraging. Now, I grew up in uh, Mount Vernon, so rural Ohio. And so riding the bike everywhere was was definitely by by five. As soon as you could ride your bike, you were going right. all over town. And we live in Columbus. So we live in a, a pretty big city. We live um, right near one of the main streets that goes all the way north and south wow. in the city. Um, so when I was 16 and your I was, kids aren't out on your bike, on their bikes either. Then. Well, they, they can't go to high street. They can't go to the main drag on their bikes, but they can go like to their school in our little neighborhood okay. on their bikes, but not on, not on the main drag yet. But when I, like I was 16 and I would sneak out of the house, it would be just to go to another house up the street. There was no place for me to go. Right. If, if my kids get older and decide to sneak out of the house, there are like several concert venues. There's Ohio State. There's like all this stuff. So right. I'm I'm really going to be relying on my own experiences and how to get out of houses without being hurt and to try to make sure that they have to work for it at the very least. <laughs> right. I um, mean, some of that stuff you did was probably so good for you that, you know, yeah. sneaking out. And, and so I don't know. There's one thing that parents have now a, a tool that we didn't have our parents didn't have which is if your child has a phone you can track where they are it's fair it, once, once you give them a phone it sort of goes hand in hand like yeah <laughs> yeah you want the phone i know where you are that's fair well and our <laughs> we they started walking to school by themselves because it's only a few blocks away and that's that's where the phone came in and that sort of independent streak of well, I have a phone now, I can text my friends, I can go to these places and I'll just text you when I get there. And there's been a, a little extra worrying that, that's come with that. Um, right. Yeah. I, yeah. And I think the independence does come from a little extra love and trust. And I think it comes with, I think it gets earned. I think there, mm -hmm. there are some kids where uh, it takes them a little while to sort of be responsible. Some kids, uh, shorter times than others and you you do your best to pay attention to how they're developing and, and how how they do when you give them that little extra rope and um like we'll let we'll let the nine-year-old walk across the street to his friends that's how far we'll let him go <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll right. let the 12 year old walk a few blocks over and go to our girl scout meetings and walk to school and and things like that um how do you think you can be protective without overbearing in these. I, I feel like you're giving me a talk where I'm, I'm getting ready for these things. And <laughs> it's part of it that's making me dizzy about having a teenager. Um, how, do you, how, how did you find a way to be protective and loving at the same time? Yeah, without, it's, being, uh, it's, without being overbearing, I guess, I don't. 
Right. I mean, that's so hard. I'm sure my teen would think I'm, would say, if you were interviewing my teens right now, that they would say I'm overbearing. <laughs> I mean, the, the thing about teens is that no matter what you do, they really think you're, it's too much. Like they, they really, I mean, I have a friend who said teens just really want you to be a plant in the, in the house. They want you to be there. So, but they don't um, want you to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> which I think is really true. true. Um, and uh, so I think it's like a balance of trying not to hover too much, but trying to ask the right questions. It's often like picking your moment of when you're asking the questions too. Like there are just times where you can just tell your kid is like open to talking and other times when they're more shut down and you kind of have to respect their timeline of when to talk about these things. Um, and also, somewhat being willing to go with the flow like uh, you know our our child one of them has been out later than we had wanted mm -hmm. and you're getting the text like well but no one's left yet and so you're kind of realizing oh they're in like this hard moment of like their parents telling them to come home but socially it's really awkward they don't want to you know and i think that sometimes you have to be willing to balance the to even break your own rules sometimes um, to let them to give them a little bit longer cord you know what I'm saying um, so it's really a, sometimes in a moment by moment uh, but we've also Darren we've been living in COVID so for like much of the teen years there hasn't been a lot of it's been very sad like kids haven't been getting together in the same way that they might have been it's really only been in the last six months or so that parents are opening up more and letting their kids more freely do things so i think we haven't had the full-on teen experience <laughs> <laughs> i think that's okay I think, I think yeah that's okay. yeah we were insulated maybe because of COVID. i don't think it was good for the kids i felt so bad for them like not having a normal social life has been really like I actually feel worse for the high school kids than for the little ones, because I think the little ones will have plenty of years ahead of them of socializing normally at school and after school, whereas the high school kids, this is this is it. Now they're going off to college and they kind of lost that that wonderful time that you and I got to have. Right. Right. Well, and that's right when their blood's starting to get up a little bit. And they're starting to, to find that confidence and they're wanting to go out and be independent and to sort of have to rein them back in. That, that had to be hard. It, it feels like as they get older that it's almost dramatically important to become a better listener. Is that, is that right? To let them say all the things they want to say and then try to just have a good memory and speak up when your time comes. I, yeah, I guess it's being a good listener. Um, but I think that as parents, like that's our job from the very beginning. So I feel like all we do is listen to look at me, this happened, you know, all, all the time. So um, I think that nowadays it's harder for parents, especially so many people working at home, like you're trying to do work at the same time as you're as they're telling you things. So I think our attention span is different as parents right now. And also with all the technology and um sometimes you have to really make yourself be present in a way that maybe parents 30 years ago didn't have to be because there was no phone buzzing all the time i mean there was a phone but it was really different from the phones we have now mm -hmm. um 
but yeah, I definitely think that being a good listener is a huge part of parenting for sure. Well, and what's, what's the hardest part? Because you, you've, you've had these experiences, you've lived a longer life and nobody, nobody except them knows them as well as you do. How, how, how do you sort of, I don't know, I, I, I put in the little outline, the word had sublimation, but how, how do you, how do you lower yourself to raise them up in that very humanist loving way when really you've got something to say to them and you see where something's headed? And I, I feel like, I feel like that's going to be the hardest part of it. Yeah. I mean, that's even from when they're really little, right? When they're very little, um, you can see how, things that might make their lives easier if they would just do them. <clears throat> but sometimes you can't, you don't want to just tell them to do it. So you have to exactly like tell you, you have to push down your instincts and let them figure it out a little bit. Um, and I think that that happens over and over again, um, uh, especially as kids are negotiating harder and harder school projects. And um, I've tried as much as I can to be like hands off of the school projects so that they can figure things out on their own. Um, and it's hard as a writer, right? Because you know your kids are writing all these things. And my um, some of, two of my kids really only bring me the work that they think is really good and they let me read that, but otherwise nothing else. <laughs> so if they already knew they got an A on it, um, they'll bring that to me to look at. And I'm very careful to not make any comments because you just don't want to yeah, so you are kind of keeping to yourself some of your own thoughts for sure as a parent um, because you don't want to bruise them and because right. you want them to um, come to conclusions on their own. Um, but there are times like when I think kids need you to actually step in and say, oh, what if you did this? Or how about this? Or I mean, I've definitely seen um, one of my kids like struggling with a project and I'll brainstorm with them some new ideas um, because sometimes they need it. So it's like you have to be ready to give a little, take a little. <laughs> um, but I do think parenting is a lot about um, putting yourself uh, to the side. Mm -hmm. um, I do. I definitely think you're right about that. If you're too overbearing, then they can't, you know, like so I was just when you had that question, um, it made me think of my mother many years ago, we went to the mall and it was a Christmas. Um, they were having some Christmas competition where if you made um, Christmas decorations out of wood and glue and, and magic markers, you could win a camera. And my mother was like, "Whoa, we could win a camera. We got to sit down and do this. So my brother, who was five years younger, was there too. But she, my mom was so focused on, well, I was the older one, so I could probably do the best art. So she sat with me and literally like was do half doing it with me, right? Like really doing this project. And I um, hated arts and crafts. Like that was one thing I hated as a child. And so I was more than happy to let her do her thing. Meanwhile, my brother, she wasn't even paying attention to him. He was just sitting there doing his own thing. Well, guess who won the camera or the prize? It was my brother who was doing whatever he wanted and no one was paying attention to him. He just did right. his own thing. So, you know, my mom's creative urge was like all there to be on top of me. And meanwhile, that was like the worst thing for me <laughs> and the best thing for my brother. Well, I'm glad and you we all do it. I'm the same way. I mean, I do it too. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, 
you know, I've got, you know, our, our, our son, the middle child, Thomas is nine and just incredibly intelligent. And he's got all this energy for different things. And he's having trouble sort of, he, he can do the homework in five minutes if, if he thinks he's going to get like screen time afterwards or something like that. Uh, and in fact, when we were doing at the beginning of at home schooling, when Columbus Public had, you know, everyone's going to stay home and we're going to do classes that way, we would get emails from his teacher saying, you know, Thomas is doing all the work, but I can tell after like five minutes, he, he checks out because he would do the work and then be playing video games or doing, and we ended up having to like bring him down to work at the table so we could see. And it honestly, they, and as he's developed, he's gotten better and better in school and he loves math and loves these different things. And uh, we had a moment earlier today where he was just having trouble controlling himself and didn't know what to do. He'd gone out and played in the snow. And I said, you know what? You are such a smart and talented kid. What are the things that you love doing? What do you want to get better at? He loves playing sports. Um, he loves building things. He loves, he legitimately loves doing math. And he made a list of five things that he loves that he's good at. And these little things he wants to get better at. He wants to be a better fielder when he plays shortstop. He wants to get more challenging Lego sets. He wants to learn how to make, like he has an interest in architecture. And giving him like this project of, you know, this next hour, just write about the things you love doing and write about what you want to get better at and getting him to focus on the list. That made sense as a parent, but then stepping away was the hard part and going, well, here are the things we could do. You tell me what you wanna do and we'll do it. This is up to you. And that, that, that part of it's hard, especially uh, having played baseball as long as I have, having uh, done the academic work we've done. And, and you see that impetus for excitement, you see the growth and the talent and you're like, okay, if we just do this, you know, but getting him to make those decisions, it, it felt like the hard parenting thing, but the right parenting thing to do. And, you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. That sounds great. I'm so glad you did that. I mean, I think that that is um, where the listening comes back in, listening to what he wants and then helping him uh, have the tools to do it. I mean, we had something similar with my youngest, like she, um, really hated piano. So I grew up in a house with like no music and I was never given the opportunity to have any music lessons. Um, and so as an adult, I really felt like I missed out on that. And so I made my children do it. <laughs> they really didn't want it. Actually, that's not true. My first two really enjoyed piano lessons, but my third, I mean, she did a year of piano lessons. She was like, mom, I hate this and I don't ever want to do this. And it was a struggle for me to say to her, okay, you don't have to do it. I mean, I think part of letting your kids be independent is also letting them say no to the thing that they don't wanna do, that you're like asking them to do because you had some absence in your own childhood that you're like now forcing this on them. But what was really funny was, so she was like, I'm done with piano. And, and I said, okay. But about a year later, she was like, mom, I really wanna learn to play the tuba. And I was like, well, you're in second grade or third grade, I don't remember. But yeah, sure, you can play the tuba, sure. So then I look into it and of course, like she's too little, you literally cannot find a teacher who will teach a tiny child tuba because they can't do it, right? It's, it's just the instrument's too heavy, you can't do it. So I broke this news to her, she was very upset, no tuba. 
Um, and she said, well, okay, then I would like to play violin. And, and I said, well, I don't, you really hit a piano. I think violin's going to be really similar. Are you sure? Like, this is an expensive thing. We'll have to rent it. And it's a commitment. And she was like, no, I'm, I want to do violin and I'm committed to it. And she was like, she just needed to pick her own instrument. And now she like absolutely loves violin. She's obsessed with it. She spends so much time practicing and we never have to ask her to because she wants to. So yeah, you have to like let that it come from inside them, right? You can't be over oh, top right. of them. The, the last thing on his list was he loves music and wants to learn to play the drums. And <laughs> oh yeah, great. You'll love that. It's so loud in your house. <laughs> Enjoy. We're, we're 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 lucky that we got a house uh, that could fit us, but it didn't have a modern HVAC system, so we could afford it when we got it. Um, so there's four floors. We'll just we'll set them we'll set them up in the basement. And <laughs> that's what basements are made for. The drums they're made for go. the drums. We won't we won't I mean, make them I, put them in the furnace room, but you know, be in the basement. <laughs> exactly. No, my husband actually plays the drums, and it's a great drums are the greatest thing to learn i mean it's a it's hard because um they're so loud so it's not an e easy instrument for him to play as an adult in an apartment building um but yeah drums are great because everyone needs a drummer everyone learns to play the guitar mm -hmm. right or to sing uh so everyone needs a drummer and actually i'm reading um um opal and nev or the last review of opal and nev um which is about a ha, features a drummer and it's a great book so i highly recommend it when your child's I've, older i've shelved it many times at the library but i have not i have not read it yet it looks good it's really good it's really good awesome well what as 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 they're growing up in a way and you know as the, as the poem that the topic's based on um as as they're sort of rising up into individuals what what is the hardest part to sort of step away from when they become these individuals where where i don't know the best way to phrase this but where does the the parenting part of that end or does it ever end i've i've still got a mom that will call me and sort of keep the parenting going and i'm coming up on 41 years old so maybe it never stops um but have, have you found any sort of i don't know is there any part of this that is natural i i feel like this is maybe you're in the hardest part of it, but you feel you look so happy about it. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's so exciting to see your kids like come flourish, right? I mean, that's um, but I think the hardest part is your kids don't really want to be with you anymore. I mean, they really don't like they they would really rather, you know, even the youngest would rather be in her violin lesson than hang out with me or my son would my son who's 18 i mean he would definitely rather be with his friends and or watching a movie on youtube than like hanging out with his parents so that's kind of sad because you remember all of these wonderful times where all they wanted was you remember all those times where you almost worried like my kids a couple of them had huge separation anxiety and so they never wanted to be left um and at the time i was like oh my god this is so hard that my kids never every time i leave the house they cry or every time we go to an event where i have to drop them off like to school they're you know they're they're upset and i was so worried about it and um and i found that actually really hard um mentally and um now 
it's the opposite. I'm the one like dragging, you know, going down the hallway to them as they're leaving the house with a million questions and to, you know, let's talk about this or what happened there. And they just don't really want to tell me, you know, that the 11 year old still does. Um, and so you, again, like we've already talked about, you have to wait for those moments when they do want to talk to you, when something happened where they do want your feedback. And then you have to be drop everything you're doing and just pay attention. Um, but yeah, I think that is the hardest part. And I feel that with my, my own mom, like you were saying, your mom still calls you. I mean, my mom would still love it if we spoke every day and we don't. And some, and I feel guilty about that as a child that like, I'm not every sharing everything with her anymore. And I think that that was really hard. I remember for in our relationship, my mother daughter relationship, um, as the daughter, college was kind of okay because I was in touch with my mom a lot but I went I left the country for a year and a half and I think that was really hard on my mom because we barely spoke during that time I mean I wrote letters we we spoke but it was really expensive to talk over the phone at that time mm -hmm. so you know she I think that was really hard and dark time for her to be totally honest like to not be able to be in touch with her child in the same way and I can see that happening I'm sure like when my kids are off the college or not wanting to come home for the summer or for school breaks or you know mm -hmm. that's going to be really sad well I, I'm fairly I'm convinced we could put together a pretty all-star list of signatures for a letter that says your mom's pretty cool guys like we could, we could get, we could put that together for you. I feel like. <laughs> I think they think I'm the opposite of cool, Darren. I don't know. I, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> what are, now they're old enough. What do they, what do they think uh, when they see the, the stories and essays come out? Do they read anything? Well, no, they haven't read. Uh, I mean, not everything's like appropriate um, for the age and uh, <clears throat> But I think they kind of want me to shut up about writing. Like I've taught, I do talk about it a lot, you know. Um, it's so much fun. So I think all three of my kids are really into, they're super creative and they really like reading and writing and creating stories themselves in different ways. Like they all do it in different ways. Um, so I think that they've definitely, I've definitely rubbed off on them, but they would never say how impressed they were mm. <laughs> or, or proud of me that I write. I don't think, you know, um, they themselves are very creative people. It has nothing to do with you. Right. Exactly. No. <laughs> um, so I think someday they'll, I mean, my kids actually my girls have been interested in reading my work and I kind of don't want them to yet. I'd, I'd rather they're in their 20s before they read my work, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> do your, what do your kids think about you writing poetry? What are they? Well, they, I've got a dozen poems or so that I bring when I'm asked to come to their elementary school. And those are poems that are about burping and mispronouncing, <laughs> so <they love> mispronouncing <laughs> the word hippopotamus over and over again. <laughs> slays absolutely <laughs> levels a third grade classroom yeah um, you have good and, material and, yeah so i i spent some time knowing that i was gonna i can't bring i don't even bring the books with me into the classes because of the amount of profanity in them because i brought <laughs> i brought them in one time and a kid immediately opened it and went that's a bad word and I went, yeah <laughs> my bad 
Um, yeah, when we'll see uh, when they get <laughs> when they get older, what they think about it. They think the picture on the book is cool. That, yeah, you know that, and that's a that's about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that it's important um, to let kids know what they're to talk about your work with your kids like that I think is really important and um so that they have a sense of you as a human like uh, with your own interests and mm -hmm. um skills and also heartbreaks you know I let my kids know when I get rejections not every time but I definitely let them know oh I got a rejection today um because I think rejection will be part of their life too. And if they see it as like a natural, no matter what they do, people get rejected from stuff all the time. You don't have to be a writer to experience that. You, you really just have to be a human. And so I tried to include them on some of those moments of mine as well, so that maybe it's not as hard for them when they encounter it. Um, well, and then they'll understand when, when the big things happen, when you get an acceptance, it really means something to you. It'll, it'll hit them maybe not exactly the same way it hits you, but close to it, they'll understand it. Right, right. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, I do appreciate you taking the time to talk about this today. Um, it's, it's, it's been a while since I got to talk to you and this is yeah, great, this thank was, you. This was so fun, I really enjoyed it. And I've been enjoying your other podcasts, so I look thank forward you. to hearing more. Uh, well, my best to everyone at the house and stay warm. And uh, before we go, I wanted to thank Emily Caldwell for the introductions and for the band pagination for all the music on the on the podcast uh their album this next ohio is out now maureen you're the best thank you you're the best thank you <laughs> all right The roots have risen up away from the trunk. I told my children the roots have risen up away from the trunk, and like your brain seeps, the tree's structure seeps as well, and searches and keeps searching even in the spring, because the nourishment doesn't come from the good black or the tall blue visiting. It comes from the growing until you bump your head on the ceiling, until you are a giant in your own world, and that will be the first part of your lives. The second, the third, the fourth, and the fifth will be learning how important it is to lower yourself, to make yourself a ramp, to feed the rising of the people around you that first decided all these roots were a good thing.